Just remember, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help each other. To a special place in hell, the podcast where an aging Gen X author and a self-hating millennial activist come together to thoroughly and conclusively solve our culture war problems with our combined wit, wisdom, and most importantly, lived experience. I'm the aging Gen X author, Megan Daub, and with me is the self-hating millennial, Sarah Hader. And we also have a very special guest today. She's neither aging nor self-hating, as far as I know. <laughs> that is Katie Herzog, the one and only. Hi, guys. Welcome. Welcome. I think I'm. Uh, I think I'm like precisely between your ages. I think I'm like I'm the middle here. I'm I'm the centrist. Oh yeah, you're the you're the just right. I'm the forty-year-old. Yes. <laughs> How does it feel to be forty? I'm not actually forty. I'm thirty-nine, but I identify as forty. I'm close enough, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have one, any big plans should... for 40? Yeah. No. Are we invited? I, yeah, I don't do really I'm not 40? really a celebrator. I'm not the sort of person who does fun typically. Mm-hmm. Um, not me so, neither. Yeah. Oh, me. yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. relate. Yeah. So I'm probably gonna do I don't know, I'm, I'm, maybe I'll take the dog for a long walk. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. I don't like to even tell anybody when it's my birthday because it makes me self conscious. Yeah, totally. I might I'm I so I'm a twin and if my oh, twin right. would like to celebrate with me, I would allow her to do that. Uh, but she probably has, you know, plans, real plans with her fr- friends and family. <laughs> Is your twin very different from you? Yes. <laughs> Physically, I, you never talk about You never talk about her. I mean, we know that you're a twin, but it's like I keep, we forget. Yeah, we haven't, she went to boarding school, so we haven't actually lived together for like since we were 15 years old. Uh, yeah. So, so I see her a couple times a year. She's, she's a delight to be around, but, uh, we don't, yeah, we're not, we're not very similar. Wow. She went to boarding school. Yeah. But not like a a fancy boarding school. Yeah. But I mean, she really wanted to get away from you. She really did. Yeah. She really did. Yeah. She went, no, she went to a free boarding school. So this isn't like prep school. She went to like a, a school for accelerated kids in science and math. The thing is, we went, we're from a rural area, went to a very pretty, like a shitty high school. And so she went from being the top of the class to the bottom of the class, which Mm -hmm. I I think is a pretty interesting and valuable experience to go from perceiving yourself as above average intelligence to below average intelligence. So what I'm saying is that she has more humility than I do. Oh, that's how I feel about my entire career. Yeah. That's exactly (laughs) the trajectory of the last several years of my career. Um. All right. Well, we have a lot of topics to cover with you, Katie. I don't know. Sarah, do you want to throw out the first yeah, question? Yeah. I hope yeah, it's dogs. Sarah doesn't like dogs. Yeah. You're, okay you need to get on dogs. board. I'm okay that, with dogs. No, they're she just, has kids. Yeah. yeah. You, can, you can really only do one or the other. You got to yeah. put all your attention somewhere. Well, soon the kids are going to want a dog, though. So you better... <sighs> Get ready. No, yeah. not not in this household. Not is it, Sarah? Is it? What's the? You're originally from Pakistan, right? Mm-hmm. What's the? Do people have pet dogs in Pakistan? Oh no, no, they're like demons. Is it disgusting? Like, no, yeah. definitely. Yeah, they're they're yeah. like dogs are like uh, the the they're like hanging around in the dumps. Yeah, feral. Yeah, 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 yeah. and they're Aww. very scary. They're very scary. Yeah. You have to run away from a dog when you see one. 
what would in like if you went to Pakistan and, and like if I went to Pakistan and I told somebody that my dog sleeps in my bed, what would they think of that? <laughs> they would think they would think you were insane and also <laughs> like ritually impure. You know, like so they both are like, true. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Go. And just American, I can't yeah. get my dog to sleep with me. I beg him every yeah. night. I do have to really? force this. me. Oh yeah, you beg you him, won't. Megan. You're like, please. You need (laughs) like a California king to to sleep with Hugo. I know. Well, his new thing now that it's cold at night, he loves to sleep outside, but he doesn't want to be totally alone. So he wants the door open. (laughs) He's only happy if he's halfway outside and inside. He's like me. He can't decide. He won't make a decision. And so I just I just deal with it being freezing. Explains a lot of time. Yeah. Uh, okay. So what do we what do we have for Katie? We've got some probing questions. Yeah, we have a lot for you. Um, and I guess we can start with, you know, like I so I love Locked and Reported. I've been listening for so long. Uh, I think since the beginning, since like the very beginning, you guys cool. launched and I was listening. Great. Um, so it's you know it's sometimes I feel almost that I need to take a break away from the podcast because it's like. I feel like I'm just looking at what I, you know, so uh, beautifully call like the, you know, the butthole of internet discourse. (laughs) Yes. And and it just makes me anus. Yes, it's true. (laughs) It just makes it makes me crazy. It makes me crazy. Like it's mad, maddening, but also it's funny, but also I just then hate everyone or you know whatever. So, um, how do you, you know, I'm wondering how you think about this and you know, do you notice any effect that it's had on you that you have to like be regularly like on this beat or, you know, it hasn't. And that's because you are, you know, so special in like what you do to maintain your mental hygiene or whatever, or, or am I, am I overthinking all this? I don't think you're overthinking it. I I do think that internet poisoning is a very real risk in, in what we do, and not just that, but also just like among people who spend a lot of time on Twitter or who want to be sort of personalities on Twitter. And I think we've all seen people absolutely lose their fucking minds online, especially since COVID. I have a really like normal life in terms of the okay, so basically i'm I'm in a mixed marriage in the sense that I am my wife is not online. And I think that's really helpful. Mm. And she's a nurse. And so when she goes to work, she is at, she's in the literal butthole. She has to wipe people's butts at work. <laughs> and so and she, and they're dying really? at the same time. Yeah, she's nurse, a nurse and she has to do that. I oh, nurses wipe like a, nurses assistants to do. That. She, I think that you That's could, terrible. but she's like she's a good nurse so and a good person, so she wouldn't like make the underpaid nurse assist aide do that. She'll do it herself. Uh, and and so when she comes home and she's talking about, you know, having to clean the folds of a, a 500 pound woman's butt and then I think about what I do for a living you're like don't bring your work home honey <laughs> like too much and go shower first that was fat phobic I'm sorry but she has she's dealing with real shit right and not just the disgusting parts of being a human but the really tragic parts of being a human and I I think that's really good in terms of keeping me uh not centered because I'm not centered but keeping me uh, humble in terms of the work that I do and also realizing that a lot of the stuff that we do feels really important and really dire and it's really not. Uh, so that's kind of my attitude about it. I also, I think that touching grass is really important and mm-hmm. I spend a lot of time outside 
I do take breaks from the internet, not because I'm like, I'm going to, I'm like going cold turkey or whatever. I just take breaks because I happen to do a lot of stuff that requires me to not be in self service. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, and that's good too. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's like slightly painful, but you know, I can always like read a book if I'm out camping and I can't scroll through Twitter. Uh, So I, yeah, I know it's weird. Uh, So I do stuff like that. And I do have some, like, I feel a little bit guilty that I think that the stuff that I cover, I, I like, I cover what I'm interested in. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I also don't think it's, the, like, the things that we're talking about on our show and the stuff that you're talking about on your show. This stuff's important, but it's not that important. And I do feel a little bit guilty that I'm not using my journalistic skills to cover bigger underreported issues. I do think that we do provide a service, and part of the service, I think, is explaining the intricacies of the internet world, the online world, to people who aren't that online. Just the shit that happens every day on Twitter that people who aren't on Twitter, blissfully, uh, aren't going to see. But I'm also, I'm not going to pretend that even the the hot-button issues that we talk about, these cultural issues, are the most important things in the world. And I do have a little bit of guilt about that, that I'm like Mm. doing this thing that it does feel a little bit frivolous and Mm. not that it's entirely frivolous. I mean, oftentimes we're talking about policy and we're talking about culture, but I'm I am just talking about the things that interest me and not, you know, water crises and wherever. (laughs) And in that in that sense, when we're like if I think of myself as a media critic, I can sort of be like, yeah, this is important. I'm we're we're the, the bold truth tellers. But really, oftentimes we're just talking about, you know, this internecine bullshit uh, that is maybe interesting, but really isn't that important. And I, I and I, I really try to remind myself that um, because there are <laughs> there are way bigger. So you want to feel bad issues. about yourself. You should yes. always remind yourself to feel like shit about yourself. But, yes, so, I'm, like, a, I'm a self-hating sure. older millennial. Oh, you got it all. Yeah. So do you talk with your wife about these things? Does she have any interest like or is this just like she's just like whatever? She listens to the podcast which I hate because she tends to listen to it without her headphones on and hearing Jesse Singles voice oh. when I'm not getting paid to oh. is fucking painful. So I'll be like, who is the way? What's that voice? Turn that shit off. Uh, so she listens to the show and she knows about, about this stuff now because I talk about it, but she's totally not interested. Like if she weren't married to me, she wouldn't have any fucking clue. She wouldn't know who Elon Musk is. Like she's that offline, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is good. So I recommend mm-hmm. people being in, in a mixed marriage. It's really, really difficult to have two online people in a marriage. Can you imagine? Yeah. How yeah, do you I even do. find somebody? <laughs> <laughs> who's not online because you have to go online apparently well i was at the hospital she was wiping my ass yeah we, we met on <laughs> yeah. tinder yeah okay that's a special box you can check yeah if you're if you're looking for that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i have a similar thing like in the sense that i love my i like a in in real life friend circle like that is not online at all so they don't even know to be embarrassed of me yeah that's great that's great yeah, the people I I mostly associate with are like my very racist eighty six year old neighbor. He doesn't know what the internet is. Uh, it, you know, it. He doesn't know who I am. He doesn't know what I do. He thinks I host a radio show from my from my house, which is sort of true, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. So you don't wish you were living in Brooklyn or oh God, no. Like that. I, I have, I, I do think it would be fun to go to Brooklyn for like six weeks and we might do that next year, um, but not permanently. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not built for that. How would mm. you get moose there? 
we would drive as as we do as we drive across the country many times a year. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm going to be doing my second uh, cross country drive in a couple of weeks of the year, and then yeah, it's insane. My carbon footprint because of this dog is ridiculous. I, wait, so you're living, do you have a place, you don't want to give too many personal identification geographical details, but like, are you, do you have like a place in the country somewhere else? Are I don't you like by coastal place. now? No, we, okay. so we rent a place outside of Asheville uh, and we just, we did it last year. We went there for two months and we're going to go back this year. It's near my family and winter in the Pacific Northwest is horrible. But the real reason that we like to do this is because we just, Megan, you'll, you'll understand this. We just love the cabin that we rent and uh, the people that we rent it from. We love them and their golden doodle, who is one day older than Moose. And so that's really why we're going. We're going back to see the dogs. <laughs> Sarah is like <laughs> white so people right now. <laughs> I know. Oh my god. Okay, I totally get it. I yeah, totally of course you it. do. And the, and the driving too. I because yeah. you're also a crazy dog lady. I know, and I have researched, as you know, the various ways to get a dog across the country. There and, are none. Uh, you gotta fucking drive. driving. It's, Private jet. Right. Look, right. If you could get more if your show keeps up the pace. It's yeah. got pace. You could get a private jet. I'd say within five years. I hope so. And that's worth I mean, covering all this shit it is baffling to me that nobody has made an airline a dog-friendly airline because like those of us who are crazy are not going to put our dogs in the belly of the fucking plane but we will pay yeah. a lot extra just to fly the fucking dog across the country they did have this thing yeah totally separate terminal <laughs> separate airport they did have that thing pet air yeah um maybe like 15 years ago and it was a total failure yeah. because it took like 24 hours to get across the country. Wait, what was this? What was this? A special so many little... stops. Yeah. It was like a little, like, like a taxi like, service. Yeah. People couldn't go on it. They had, but they had an attendant that would be in the cabin. The cabin was like all uh, crates and right. there would be somebody there. So it's not like the dogs were unsupervised, but it would take, it made so many, it was like a puddle jumper across the country. So it just, it was completely defeated the purpose. Right. The, I mean, so the point is that you want to fly with the animal mm-hmm. and not, you know, put the animal in a cargo hold or pick Ugh. it up 24 hours later. Somebody I would have this. to drug myself so oh, hard. Yeah. If I put my dog underneath the thing, I would have to sedate myself. Yeah. I, I would insist on also riding in the cargo hold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is what uh, happens this, when you don't have children, this, Sarah. This 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 I could know. have been Sarah, you. Sarah, aren't you aren't you jealous? I know. Um, you're, you know, you're, uh, aspirational. I don't. I don't hate dogs. I don't hate dogs. I just don't have this this particular attitude. That's because you have actual humans in your life, unlike um, us. And yeah. and it, it's it's also the if I if I ever get a dog, you know, like my mom would never come visit ever again, which is. You know, maybe not a terrible thing. But she's, she's, yeah, like, she's, you say that like it's a negative thing. Yeah. No, she that's what she told me. She's like, do you want me to ever come back to your house? Because she's <laughs> terrified of dogs. One time we went to a place that was really beautiful. It was like gorgeous. And it was kind of what you were describing. Like the owners of it had these like cute little labs. And my mother was so afraid of them. She just stayed inside the cabin like the whole time. <laughs> she just didn't leave. <laughs> She just needs to meet the right dog, as we yeah. used to say to Not people. Hugo, though. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Um, 
Wow. So how was your tour? Speaking of traveling, you tour guys was like good. rock stars. Yeah, yeah. It, it was good. Our, so we were supposed to do a show in Dartmouth and that got canceled. Because, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what happened is that we were going to do a show with an org. It was, the, I don't remember the name, but it was basically the equivalent of the like political science department. And we agreed to do a show there in Dartmouth because it was going to be open to the public. And then at the last minute, they took the announcement off of the website, didn't communicate with us about what was going on. And it turned out we got an email a few days before the event. And the guy we were working with said, okay, this is now not going to be with the political science department. This is going to be with this new organization called Braver Spaces. And also, uh, it's no longer open to the public. And we'd been advertising this for weeks to our audience as, you know, come to come to wherever Dartmouth is and go to the show. It's free. And so we basically were like, okay, we're we're just not going to do this because we can't have people show up to this event and get turned away. And it, so it turned out that what happened is that at Dartmouth, because it's a private school, you have to register to protest and somebody had registered. And we don't know who, we don't know if they were, we were going to do the show with Carol Hooven. So we didn't know if they were protesting us or Carol or all of us probably. And uh, so the department freaked out and basically refused to be affiliated with it. And so the guy who had invited us, he spent the weekend creating this new organization, Braver Spaces, to have this event. Um, But in the end, it was just like we didn't want to do it for a bunch of Dartmouth students and turn people away at the door. And also, uh, uh, and I was, of course, thrilled about this because anytime something is canceled, that is the best. I'm anti-cancel culture. (laughs) Also, you don't have to go. Exactly. It was going to be because it's like right. such a long travel day. I was I'm gonna... happy when like a dinner party is <laughs> oh canceled. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. I was going to have to like fly across the country and then wait in the Boston airport for three hours for a bus and then take a three hour bus. Oh, what? It, you got to get a better tour manager. <laughs> this was the Dartmouth travel people. Get to take we don't your have own a... bus across right. the country with this right. blocked and reported on the side. Exactly. And uh, so and for very little money. And so I was absolutely oh. thrilled to be canceled. Yeah. Cancel me, baby. Um, so yeah, so that was great. And then, uh, and then we did. So we did live shows in Boston. We did one with Carol Hooven, and then a show in New York and two in DC. And the shows went well. And it was our first time, so like I think we we learned a lot and figured out what works and what doesn't. And I did not kill Jesse after being in a car with him for several hours. So also a plus. Oh my god. Sorry. Megan and I have never been in the same like physical just- space. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah. No, we've never met. Yeah. So I don't even know how tall she is, even though she looks extremely tall. From She's her not. Oh, why you say that? She's not. I, 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 <laughs> I love it that you think that. Megan, you're going to have to wear some very tall platform shoes when you guys actually meet. It's so strange. I don't. Kat Rosenfield also thought I was really tall. No, both of you me. were very tiny people. That's so strange. Me, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so, yeah. You you exude um, you exude height confidence, I guess. I exude height. <laughs> um, but wait, I want to. So it's kind of sweet that that this Dartmouth person tried so hard. Oh like, yeah. to create a new organ. I mean, yeah, So did sweet. you get the sense that the that the campus was would have was overall amenable to you coming? Like, because it, it's not yeah. sort of like Middlebury, like Charles Murray 
kind of you know yeah i mean the fact that they invited us at all i think i think says something um but the problem was that they don't they basically don't know how to deal with protesters and so they were totally flabbergasted at the idea that they were going to have some people show up and try to disrupt the event they just literally and they said this like we just don't know what to do and the answer is you you fucking get some security guards and you kick kick them out like it's dartmouth has never had an event see that speaks worse for them than any of this yeah, but they've never, never had somebody where there was a threat of protest. That's actually yeah. pretty I mean, sad. They probably have at some point, but they just didn't know what to do, or they said that they didn't know what to do in this case. This could have been bullshit, but that's how they they explained it to us was just absolute, not even like a lack of desire, but just, I mean, I'm sure there was that, but also just they just didn't know what to do. I, I felt really bad for the guy. Uh, we went back and forth. We tried to get paid. You know, then like Dartmouth was playing for my flight. So then we had to book a last minute flight for me to Boston for the uh, for the tour. That was, you know, so we tried to get our money back and Dartmouth refused to pay us. And the guy we were working with actually sent me a check, which, of course, I didn't actually cash. But so I felt really bad for the guy. I think he he just felt terrible about this. Although oh, I like was, a personal yeah, check. He, sent he, you. he fucking paid paid you us. Did cash was this a student no, or was this no. a, a professor? It was or a professor. Mm. I would have cashed that. No, it, it wasn't his fault. It you know, it wasn't his fault. <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah. It it ha- you, campuses are terrible about this. Um, yeah. In like twenty like seventeen twenty eighteen, um, with my organization, we did a campus tour, which was just like the worst. I mean, it was yeah. terrible. It was like we we worked with like maybe thirty different like campuses like and it was students who were inviting us and sometimes professors were mostly students um student organizations that were inviting us and you know every university has their own little like red tape admin like requirements they're not clear about what those are um there's so many different places you can get tripped up and security is yeah like my experience with security was same as yours because they get really really spooked but of course in my case it was maybe it was different you know like yeah, I, I get why they were spooked. Yeah. Um, but they're really not willing to work with you either. You know, they're just sort of like, we can't do it. Sorry. Like, that's yeah. that's the end of this. Um, so, yeah, mm. it's not super surprising. I mean, I think universities are tend to be very conservative when it comes to, you know, sort of small C conservative uh, when it comes to things like this and mm-hmm. terrified of liability, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I know a lot of people who will no longer speak on college campuses because yeah. it's just... Yeah. It's a pain I, in the ass. Yeah, I would never work in like a in an event like or set up an event like that in a college campus ever yeah. again. Yeah, yeah, which is oh, it's wow. such a shame. I mean, when I was in college in the early two thousands, we had every spring this organization would come to campus, and it was called. Um, it was I can't remember what it was called, but it was some anti-abortion group, and they would bring these giant posters of you know like a picture of an aborted fetus of like an arm like on a dime you know what i mean to like show perspective or whatever it was yeah really graphic shit and they would basically preach their christian anti-abortion message and we would have these robust debates and it was just the idea that we could get them kicked off of campus did not occur to anyone. And the same thing we would have, you know, I went to school in in North Carolina and we would have these street preachers who would come in every once in a while and preach their message. Oftentimes it was very homophobic and people would heckle them and debate them or whatever. But this idea, it was just, it was like springtime, you know, the pastor Sammy's here or whatever. The idea that you could like actually get this guy removed from campus, nobody would have wanted to because it was also kind of fun. (laughs) 
And that yeah. seems to that be totally different now. Yeah. 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 So what went wrong on the tour? What what lessons did you learn? Um, I think so we had basically two well, okay, what we learned for one is that we need a booker and a manager. We shouldn't be doing this shit ourselves. We didn't have a contract <laughs> with Dartmouth. Yes. Yeah. It, it like didn't occur to us that anything that the email that they sent us was anything but binding. Um so stuff like that. Uh, basically everything business related. Like we didn't get we got a little bit ripped off by one of the venues. Anything business related basically went wrong. Um and then the so we had basically we had two segments of the show. So Jesse led one and I led the other one. And the segment that Jesse led, it was about Andrew Tate. And I will just be frank, I don't think it was great for a live show. <laughs> I don't know if you remind us who he is. Andrew Tate is this sort of men's rights influencer guy, very famous among like teenage boys. He's gotten very rich preaching this sort of the toxic masculinity version of Jordan Peterson, mm-hmm. uh, you know, much, much butcher, uh, much more into like flashy cars and shit like that. It's sort of the the answer to the to the Jessica Valentes of the world. Uh, or oh, good. Yeah. Uh, the, the equal and opposite reaction. And uh, and so we did a segment about him and I just didn't think it was funny enough i think that we needed to like really look for material that was exceptionally funny for a live show and did my segment was conversion funny conversion to islam yes we did and i also <laughs> i i also converted to islam like yeah, you know, right, a right. year or two ago so he's he's one of my people now you are not however sarah yeah the apostate oh, yeah um, so yeah so things like that learning you know what sort of works well with a live audience and what doesn't uh yeah it, it scares me to be you? in a live audience. Megan loves it. Yeah. Well, I take beta blockers, you? so I experience no emotion at all. <laughs> That's why you were it so good me. on Bill Maher. Were yeah. you were you taking beta blockers when you went on Bill Maher? Oh, one hundred percent. You were so good. I got to go with Katie. I was hanging out backstage. I was one of the one I of remember Katie's this guests yeah, yeah. when she was on Mar and she was so good. Uh I would have just left beta blockers i cannot recommend them because the thing about beta blockers it's a heart medication so it's not like xanax or something that gets you sort of like there's no psychoactive effects it just cuts the adrenaline response so if i'm nervous i get very like fluttery and my voice will shake and my hands will shake Mm -hmm. and if you cut out that adrenaline response then and that sort of you know it makes it harder to think because you're focusing on the fact that you look like a shaking butterfly (laughs) and if you cut that out it makes it much easier to think clearly um so i take them every time i have to do a live speaking event and i absolutely love them okay i highly like them them. now yeah seriously how do you how do you get these like is it over the counter i'm like no you have to start doing a lot of drugs you should yeah You, you should do it it's uh it's the the it's called propanolol, I think is the actual name. Just go to your doctor and say that you get anxiety for public speaking and your doctor will probably prescribe it for you. And there's no, like, there's no negative effects of this. It's not like you're going to end up, you know, in rehab in six months. It's, there's, it's just a perfect. It's, oh, just it doesn't, it, it's fine. It'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very pro drugs. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Are do you, you have a list of ones to you're going to do? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go. I've, I've told Megan, I'm going to plan. I'm planning on a, on a bender. Really? Um, yeah. And away from away from the family, you know, just like 
maybe a friend or something. Great idea. And your mom goes away for a weekend and just does everything. So like fentanyl, meth. meth. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Ayahuasca. <laughs> Don't do ayahuasca. No, 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 the fun, the fun drugs. I don't want to. I don't want to think. I don't want to like, you know, no. yeah. higher consciousness stuff. No, 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 lower consciousness. You're not. Lower you're, consciousness. Not, you're not trying to do some Sam Harris bullshit. You're just trying to have a good time. <laughs> right. She's just trying to have a decent time. She's just trying <laughs> yeah. to not have a bad time all the time. Yeah, that's, that's the, fair. That's fair. So, so okay. So you learned those lessons. You need a. You need a manager. Yeah. What was it like? Were you hanging out with your with your listeners afterward like how, how much <laughs> okay, how much so, of a parasocial relationship did you indulge okay so this is the difference between jesse and i before our show in arlington uh i got to the venue immediately like hid in the hid in the green room so i wouldn't see anybody jesse goes to the bar across the street where he knew some listeners were hanging out and bought them all a round of shots the idea oh. like he wanted to he like Jesse and I have some conflict and one of the things that we that we were fighting about before the tour was that he wanted to basically rent out a bar and throw a party for our listeners and I was like that's fine I won't be there this sounds terrible and not because I don't like our listeners I do like our listeners but just you I'm like just parties. I don't like parties I'm not that social and you can only have like if in a situation like that all you're going to do is like small talk with people like I like I met a bunch of people after the shows and it's I, I like meeting them. It's fun, but it does feel like work. Whereas for Jesse, yeah. he's just like, we're all like, let's just celebrate together. And I'm like, no, let's not. All you're gonna do is disappoint them. <laughs> totally. Do that. I, they don't they don't want I don't want them to find out how short I am, you know. Um, <laughs> Tell me about it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So you say you have conflict with Jesse. What do you mean by that? Are you serious? Well, just, yeah. I mean, things like that. You know, we have we have a fair amount of, like, low-level business-style conflict, which you guys will maybe also experience when you've been doing the show for a little bit we'll longer. We'll be so happy Look if we have it. any business. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that for step one, yeah. get business. Yeah. Euphoric. Jesse is – this yeah. will surprise everybody based on ethnic stereotypes, but Jesse is much more of a big spender than I am. I am very, very frugal, and he wants to spend money on shit that I'm like, no, do it yourself. Like what? <laughs> so, um, things like other than taking people out. Things like bars. He, we spent a, what I think is a significant amount of money to put some of our shows on YouTube. Like, paid someone twenty five dollars an hour to upload shows on YouTube. I thought that was very stupid. It, and it, it ended up great. Thank God it ended up not actually bringing us any traffic in. So I could at least we spent the money, but I could at least be right about it. Uh, so stuff <laughs> like that where I'm like, no, this is an easy task. We're not paying someone $25 an hour to do this. Just just do it. If you want to do it, just do it. But he also so you just had like audiograms. Sorry, this is like fascinating. Yeah, because everybody says you have to be on YouTube. So, yeah, but you don't stupid. have the cameras on. No, so it's just, of course not. Right. Yeah, it and was it, stupid. And it didn't work. No, it didn't work. Okay. Yeah, it was a total fail experience, experiment, thank God. Well, that's so he, good. But he's also much busier than I am because he, you know, he writes his newsletter and he freelances and he has various other projects going on. I don't have shit going on except for the show and my dog and hobbies, which are the dog. Uh, so, <laughs> so to me, so it makes sense for him. So he also makes a lot more money than I do because he has a very successful newsletter. And we also come from 
very different financial backgrounds. He has never been broke before. I've been broke for most of my life. He, you know, my parents are college professors. It's mm-hmm. not like I grew up poor, but I grew up, you know, like lower middle class, middle class, lower middle class compared to the standards of, you know, he's the child of a lawyer from Newton, Massachusetts. We just have like, we co- we have, we come from different classes. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I have, to me, the idea of spending money unnecessarily, like it causes me physical pain. And I think for him, that's very frustrating because he's busy and he wants to pay people to do shit for us. Whereas I'm like, no, I'm trying to save every fucking bit of money that I have because I don't know how long this is going to work. And I have literally dumpster dived for food before. I have been that poor. Uh, you know, like we just have, we have very different, different. Uh, it's so hard yeah. to know with a business thing. It's so hard to know what to do because you do have to invest in the business. Yeah. But yeah, it's. Really and the time limit. I mean, I, 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 you know, I'm busy all the time because and not because not on like projects that are making me money, but just like, you know, wiping <laughs> people's noses and stuff. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> um, yeah. and I, I kind of have that instinct too, just like pay somebody totally. to deal with the problem. Totally. But I, 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 I totally, I also resonate with what you're saying in terms of, um, yeah, when you grow up without a lot of like, without financial security, yeah. Um, or have dealt with like a period where you had like really like no security at all, like at the bare bottom, like you just think about money in a very different way. Yeah. And I yeah. kind of haven't like outgrown that poverty mindset, I guess, yeah. like, you, you know, even as an adult, I just don't think of money that way. And yeah, yeah, it, you know, and, and with my, my husband is the same way, which is really good, because I dated guys before who were, who were, you know, like, raised with money and just didn't yeah. never worried about it. And I was like, Oh, this is never going to work like yeah. in a marriage. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's, you know, I think, I think that's actually, there's something really good about it. Like I have so much anxiety about money that I'm very good at saving money. Um, my wife is also, she, she comes from a, like an actual working class family. You know, she's from Alaska. Her parents didn't go to college. Her dad worked on oil rigs. Like she much more working class than I was raised. And so both of us together are, fucking penny pinchers. Um, and I just, I'm like, I've also been laid off so many times and I've been laid off in the media industry, in this industry. I've also been fired from jobs before I was in media because I was a terrible employee. And so for me, I don't have any sense of security that this is going to work out. And so mm-hmm. it's really important to me to save everything that I can, because if this doesn't work out, I'm probably going to end up working at a grocery store. And I'm not kidding about that. Like Jesse has other opportunities that I'm not going to have, mm. you know. Wait, so. really? Like, like yeah. wait, let's think about this a little bit. He works so much the- harder than I do. <laughs> I mean, is he, okay, first of all, does he take Adderall or something? No. How does he do all that? He's neurotic. He, I think he takes it every once in a while. No, he's just neurotic and he is a really hard worker. He he has a like a really intense work ethic and he also it's just I, so it's part of per, his personality. Uh yeah, we just have different different personalities that way. But he also, you know, he's I he's a more accomplished journalist than I am for sure. He's more well known. I liked yeah. your writing a lot on the stranger. Thank you. Thank were you. you were you fired yeah. from there? Was that no. a place you were fired from or something like weird fired. happened? Well, something, something weird happened. COVID happened. Okay. Um, what happened there was I, so I was like super burned out and COVID started and I was like, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to take a leave of absence. I will help the company and take a leave of absence. So things were getting more and more dire and our, our, our publisher kept sending out emails being like, we got to do something <laughs> like we're going to do a fundraiser because the stranger was ad supported. 
and it was print and events in Seattle was one of the first cities to shut down because COVID arrived here or they thought that it arrived here. The first documented case was in, was in Seattle. And so things started to shut and it's also Seattle. So like immediately shut everything down. Uh, and so the paper immediately started losing money. And I, I emailed my boss and I was like, look, let me do you a solid. I will go. Uh, I'll take a furlough. <laughs> and so female. <laughs> Imagine a guy being like, I'm going to do you a favor. Yeah. Take myself off of your hands. Yeah. I'll take a furlough, apply for unemployment and be back in six weeks or whatever. So I was so I did that. I kind of expecting him to be like, no, 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 it's not. Things aren't that dire. And he was like, yes, please do this. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, so like three days later, so I, I like made that announcement. And then like three days later, everybody was furloughed. Um, so I got to at least file for unemployment before the system was so fucking backed up that people couldn't actually get paid. And then so the furlough was for, I don't know, six weeks, eight weeks. And then they ended up laying me and almost everybody else off. So I wasn't fired, but and I wouldn't have stayed if given the option. They did mm -hmm. keep some of the writers on. Um, and it was the situation where when it came to, when it came to like just like I made more money for the paper than most of the people who work there besides Dan Savage because my mm -hmm. work got read. If you just translate readers to ad sales or whatever, clicks to to money. But I was also difficult, not because I think of my personality or anything like that, but because of the response to my work from within the paper. Mm. My work caused a lot of conflict. Mm. And yeah. so so by not offering me a job, they eliminated, I think, some headaches. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. You sense. were the Michael Powell of The Stranger. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I had Dan Savage there sort of, you know, in my corner. And the bosses actually liked me, which has been rare in my life. But my colleagues, <laughs> I should say. And I would like break, like, not, I'm not the type of person to generally do this, but my wife is a baker. And so I would do shit like bring cookies to work. Like thinking like this will make up for the fact that I wrote a piece about how I wasn't sure that, oh, yeah. you know, Brett Kavanaugh was guilty. <laughs> I'll never see through that. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't work. Yeah. I feel for organizations that have to deal with this kind of internal like employee oh, totally. conflict totally. at the same time. But if they're if they're, you know, letting go of voices like yours, I mean, they really are going to it, it's sort of a spiral into yeah. insignificance and then like eventually yeah. shutting down anyway because I, I remember yeah. that 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 fundraiser you were sharing about the stranger yeah. and I gave money to them but oh, only because I was nice. just like oh Katie's there yeah, yeah. <laughs> let me get money and then two days later you were like I'm not there anymore <laughs> yeah that was a little bit a little bit frustrating I think for some people um yeah you know I think the paper has in many ways spiraled into irrelevance um which is really sad because it at one point was a great paper not actually during my tenure I got there after the heyday of the alt weekly and so it was already not on life support but you know like it used to be what 150 pages every week by the time I got there it was bi-weekly and it was 80 pages now it's not even in print and when we were in in DC for the live tour I picked up the the uh, not the whatever the local alt weekly is it was like eight literally like eight pages yeah I mean just oh it's just it's amazing sad. it's in print at all. at all I'm actually surprised yeah I mean why bother at this point wow yeah yeah I'm really interested in this idea that 
you think that you will be working in a grocery store if this doesn't work. From the outside, it looks like you guys are just so killing it. I mean, you yeah. are. We are. We're doing and well. So- but I'm just not convinced. This is what happened. Like, I think this is just based on I've had a lot of jobs in my life. And I will fully admit that I have not always been the best employee. I have had so many like different like you know, uh, entry level jobs that I've been fired from. I've probably been fired from like seven jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was young, you know, I was younger. And, and what kinds of things would you do? Like not show up or yeah, just not show up. Or... I was a, I used to be somewhat of a party girl for lack of a better term. It is very difficult to show up for work when you're hungover. Um, mm. And so I oftentimes wouldn't. Yeah, stuff like that. And then also just like being kind of a slacker. I was always good at getting jobs because I can turn on charm for about 10 minutes at a time and so I would, I would be good during an interview and then as soon as I so people would think like oh she'll be fun and then I would I would actually show up to work and oh huge oh. disaster yeah that's like how I am with dating yeah 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 good good for the I'm initial at, interview I'm good and at then, getting I'm good at getting the initial interest of yeah like, is that is that oh, you though or is that I, I <laughs> having listened to your shows and knowing you I would imagine that you're a little indecisive when it comes to romantic partners well i'm just lazy i shouldn't have even <laughs> have introduced the subject because i can't it's mostly just uh apathy but yeah um yeah well so okay i'm can you, sarah feel free to to interrupt me because i'm i tend to be a i go into interviewer mode but i want to get back to like your tour just for a second like sure. what kinds of fans were coming up to you and like what, what were they saying i actually had several of my unspeakeasy participants came to your shows and actually the one of the um i think it was the second one we did so the one the one in new york it overlapped with your show in new york and oh a really lot of them had had to skip yes it was a very oh, big no, deal i didn't even realize had, you were there they, well, I was up. We did. It oh, was. I was outside okay. of the city. I was doing. Yeah. So we were. It was like the the four day on Speakeasy retreat. And one of the nights, I think maybe it was, I don't remember. But um, yeah, they couldn't. They they had all like sacrificed going to your show because oh, they wow. had already committed to my thing. And so they were like, "This better be worth it. This better be good." <laughs> I hope um, it was. And then some of them were going to the to the DC event. Oh wow. Uh, afterwards so yeah they definitely yes and they told me about it they were very excited they had a great time they went good so the fans are the fans are always great I mean there's always going to be one person in an audience who like we Jesse one other thing that we thought about was that he wanted to do Q&A's after every show and I've sat through so many Q&A's that are you know there's always like that one person who asks bizarre off the wall questions there's always this (laughs) this is more of a statement than a question (laughs) right And uh, and so I wanted to avoid that. We did the Q and A's and they were fine. Um, the fans were the fans were great. Like it's it always feels a little bit strange because you are talking to people who who know you or feel like they know you and you don't know who they are at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've been that person before as well. Like I I saw David Sedaris on a boat one time. And I've been reading him and listening to him since I was 12 years old and I absolutely adore him. And I, and I could see, and I approached him and he's like famously good with his fans. And I still had this sense of like, you know, his eyes are sort of glazing over. Um, he was better than that, but um, you know, so it is, it's, it's sort of a new experience and a weird experience for me in part also because I live in such an isolated place that this isn't something that happens to me very often. Like we were in, we were in, my wife came to the New York show and we were in Central Park the day after the show. And this this woman approached us and she said she like saw us and she said, hi. And I and my first thought was like, oh, I, am I going to 
have to give this woman money? Like, what's going on? Why is somebody pregnant? <laughs> but no, she was a fan. And she was actually, she lived in San Francisco. So she just had She was to be- one of my people. That was yeah. one of my people. Oh, really? No, seriously. Yes. Oh, really? That was one of my- Oh, funny. Uh-huh. Funny. Okay. So she was great. She right? wasn't but- asking you for money. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not at all. She was great. She was- No, I know. That's fun. Yeah. I'm not going to say who she was, but I heard about this later. Yeah. yeah that's great. She was great. She was, it was, t- but it was a, th- so I met this woman and she, you know, she's, you know, this must, she said, this must happen to you all the time. And because I was with my wife, it was even better for me because it's like, here's the the person I'm married with seeing somebody react to me. She doesn't yeah. see that shit all the time. So it was better for me, I think, than her to meet her because it made me look so, <laughs> made me look so good in front of my wife. You know, so, yeah. so, so, so th- when things like that happen, it's so rare that it really is, it's totally pleasurable to me to be, to be recognized in, you know, in a city somewhere. If that happened in Seattle, if somebody approached me, I'd be fucking terrified because my reputation yeah. is, because I'm much more likely to run into somebody in Seattle who wants to bash my face. And although Seattle is such a passive aggressive city that people will just like glare at me behind my back or like they would like rather jump into the bushes than actually confront me. Um so that was so I so I like was totally thrilled by that encounter. And then after that, so we met this woman and then my wife and I were walking back to where we were staying and we saw um that guy from The Sopranos, Christopher from The Sopranos, he's now in White Lotus. I can't remember his name. You know who I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yes. And so he was walking up the street and we made eye contact. And my and my wife was sort of observing this. Like she saw he and I make eye contact and he did this sort of like little head nod thing. And my first thought was like, oh my God, he listens to the show. <laughs> It's just we're just two celebrities seeing each other on the street. <laughs> like, which is only only you can relate to one another. I know how it is. I get it. I get it. Which is, of course, not at all what was going on. He was seeing somebody recognize him, and he was being friendly, uh, slightly friendly. Um, yeah. So, I, so I found that I found that like pretty thrilling myself. But and then when we're like actually at the shows, and then you're meeting people. It's just a little bit different because there's just a lot of them around and you can only sort of, you know, mm. talk to people for a second because there's a line waiting and there's, I just, I don't know. I need to learn how to navigate it, but it's all, it's all very new. Mm. And then I come home and nobody knows who the fuck I am or cares, which I think is actually really good because it keeps you from getting yeah. too, uh, too, too big for your, for your britchers. Yeah. Yeah. We got it. We, we have to be careful about that, Sarah. Yeah, I'm yeah, every day I'm worried about be around people who don't know who we are. More it's often. only happened a few times, and I actually dislike the experience a lot. Really? Being recognized. Yeah, because it's like in my mind, this is like a totally different thing than my real life. You know, like it's like I live in yeah. two different worlds. There's like yeah. my work world, and there's who I am at work, and there's who you know, like this public persona. Yeah, and then there's just like my real life. I'm just going around, you know checking the mail, going to the bank, whatever, you know, getting my eyebrows waxed, whatever. I just, I don't want to run into, in, while I'm doing those things, I don't want to meet people who know me from this other oh, yeah, universe. No. Yeah. Um, and so every time it happens, it just freaks me out yeah. a lot. Uh, Megan, I've I had, had somebody. Sorry, yeah, no, go ahead. Well, I, so I had, I've had people, when, I've had people when they find out that I'm friends with you be absolutely fucking starstruck by that. Shut up. Yeah. Now, I, yeah. No, now, well, I can tell you it's the other way around now. But go on. You can get to <laughs> Actually, a a guy who was 
one of my colleagues at The Stranger, who was himself had been famous at one time, uh, because he had a he had a uh, he was a one hit wonder, great musician, but he was a one hit wonder. He he was in this band Harvey Danger. Do you remember Harvey Danger? No. They had a, they had the best song of like the song was it's a stupid name. It's Flagpole City. You would recognize it if you heard it. It was like the best song of like 1997. It's genuinely a fucking great song. And so he had been really famous for a short amount of time. And uh, when he found out that we were friends, he was just absolutely fucking star seriously oh yeah absolutely. wow yeah. so my yeah, this happen to you are you walking around uh la just being uh well not walking around la because nobody walks around la i have had well actually it's funny i <laughs> this summer i was walking in the park i was walking in griffith park dog walking and i was of course at the, i was bitching about how like I couldn't make enough money with the podcast. I guess that is telling because it's probably like half of the conversations I have with anybody are on that subject. And um, literally five seconds later, this guy walks up to me and he's like, oh, Megan, hi, hey, hey. And I was like, it was the terror. Like, oh, my God, do I know this guy? Like, Mm -hmm. and I don't remember who he is. And I'm about to be really rude. And it turned out he was a fan. And of course, you know, and of course I was so impressed. You know, the person I was with was yeah. like so impressed, but also just like, okay, here you are. But uh, like the guy was, but the thing is like, maybe the guy overheard me saying that like my podcast is a total fail. <laughs> no, you know, whatever. So and yeah, there was, that. there was that, but this summer, but like, uh, you know, another time this summer I was at an event and um, a guy came up to me and he's going on and on about how he loved the podcast and I was like oh thank you thank you that's amazing he's like oh yeah god you know um it's so great and it's just like it's really it's great that I because I never knew who you were I never knew who you were and um you know but I love Sarah it was he had been talking about Sarah the entire time and I was like oh my god thank you thank you thank you and he's like wow yeah like who did you you know (laughs) because if I was your I was your like sidekick I was your assistant so there little, you go. little does he know. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've, I've had something like that happen before where somebody thought I was like another ex-Muslim activist. Yeah, and then and that and I, I look nothing like anybody else out there. So this was just really odd, but yeah, it was that's, um, that's microaggression. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to be a minor celebrity. Yeah. yeah. A micro celebrity. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So what other topics do we want to cover while we have Katie here? Yeah, we wanted to talk about, I mean, this is kind of heavy, um, but we wanted to talk about surrogacy, right? Because that was something yeah. Katie was tweeting about. And then I think I quote tweeted. Yeah. You, and Katie. I had somebody actually, yes, somebody I was recently talking with, who's a huge fan of both of yours had noticed that you were both tweeting about surrogacy and she said she really wanted you to talk about it together. Sure. Yeah, so. sure. Um, yeah. Would so you be a surrogate, Katie? Would oh you, my god! If paid you a lot of money, how much would it take? How much um, money for yeah. not for you not to be working in the grocery? When Blocked and Reported is no longer, how much would you accept to be okay. a gestational surrogate? First of all, this would I'm like beyond a geriatric pregnancy at one point. Doesn't and matter. Terrible things. No, no, to my no. Body. It wouldn't be okay. your eggs. It would be you would just be the vessel. Uh, I would do it for realistically no less than. 15 million what 15 15 one five. one five is that low or high 
I don't even know that I would do it for that, to be honest. Yeah. What? Yeah. what? I don't want to have stretch so high. That's what? <laughs> <laughs> Is there a process? That, like, how much does it cost to get some, like, like ice sculpt- body sculpting uh, stretch You can get rid of It might not even be so bad. Some women some don't stuff get you any. Can't get rid of. I think some I women would, don't get many, good. and then some women get really messed up. So you really, it's, you're just rolling, rolling to die there. But 15. I don't want to. I don't want to be pregnant. I don't want to give birth. Neither one. Well, Sarah loves those things. Right. Sarah would it. do I'm, it for fourteen. I'm, yeah, I. I would do it. I would do it for free. I just really I have done it for free. Actually, yeah. well, not yeah. surrogacy, but preg- yeah. pregnancy. Yeah. Wait. So. What? Okay. Pregnancy. Your husband didn't pay you. Surrogacy. No, he didn't. Can you believe it? I mean, <laughs> it's not fair. That's unpaid what's labor. She had to start yeah. A yeah. Seriously. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, I have no desire to be pregnant or to give birth. Yeah, the pregnancy sounds bad, but the giving birth part—I hear it hurts. It a little bit. A little um, bit. Oh. I thought the pregnancy was worse than like yeah. for me. It's 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 kind of the other way around because you can get drugs at the labor stage, right? You right. Know? And you can't during the rest of it. You can't. Yeah, you can't. You can't go. You can't do anything when yeah. you're pregnant because everything will just like make your kid. You know, just be come out yeah, with like be 20 like fingers a, be like and a gen x kid you make your kid be like a kid born in the 50s which you know totally that didn't totally. turn out so bad so okay so what's your how did this even come up that you were tweeting about surrogacy either of you well rebel wilson announced that she had a child via surrogate and so my feelings about this are almost entirely just gut this is not something i've deeply researched and i think like it's important to acknowledge like let me do a little throat clearing here there's obviously a lot of exploitation in this industry and women, especially poor women, will get exploited. That's bad. <laughs> like the, let me just say that for the record. That's bad. Like you heard some stories. There was this story after uh, after the Russian invasion in Ukraine. I think an Irish couple got briefly stuck in Ukraine with the baby that and U- Ukraine apparently has a big surrogacy industry with the with the baby and they got out of they got out of Ireland and there were these sort of like these like Irish media reports like oh thank god this they got out with the baby and they didn't even mention the woman or the fate of the woman who had just done given this yeah. given yeah. birth for them yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah there's obviously a lot of exploitation in the industry that said if if you could have a situation where a woman wants to do it, a lot of women enjoy being pregnant. They want to do it. They feel good about it. They're handsomely contemplate. Sorry, they're handsomely compensated, and there's no sort of duress or exploitation. I think that's that's fine. I think people should be able to make their own their own decisions. But at the same time. There is a trend right now of very, very wealthy women like Rebel Wilson, the Kardashians. There's like a Kristen Wiig. She had a couple babies with a surrogate. There are a lot of women in Hollywood who just don't want to give birth. They don't want to get pregnant and they don't want to give birth. And I find that deeply gross. And I don't know why. And I think there's some cognitive dissonance there. Like I don't think there's anything. I don't think there's anything morally or ethically wrong with a couple that physically cannot give birth because either they're gay or they whatever you know there's some like biological reason i don't think there's anything wrong with that i do think there's something wrong with just not doing it with just getting a surrogate because you just don't want to get pregnant and i and i don't really know how to resolve that in my own mind but it still just feels like just the epitome of privilege to just nope out of this thing and pay someone who's poorer than you 
even if that person is somehow benefiting. So I feel very conflicted about it. And I know a lot of feminists are against surrogacy in every situation. And I can see why, because the possibilities that things go wrong are pretty high. You know, this isn't just like paying somebody to work on your car. You know, it's birth. I would assume that Mm -hmm. there's some sort of bond that you, you know, that you experience. Yeah. What do you think, Sarah, as someone who's actually been a birthing person? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I I think I'm much more creeped out by the by surrogacy, you know, post um, being a mother myself. I mean, part of it is just like the 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 nature of it. That is, I mean, of course, the whole thing is like quote unquote unnatural and not that there's anything wrong with that, but we have to think about it when we're, you, you know, this, this idea that you're just a vessel right. um, for something else, but like your brain doesn't think like that. You know, when you, if I was pregnant with somebody else's with, with an egg that wasn't mine, my body doesn't know that. And it doesn't think that it thinks that it thinks this is my child. And when I go into labor, um, you know, the, the, well, even before labor, like pregnancy itself changes it changes you, you know, like it changes your brain, whatever. Like, I mean, there's some preliminary studies about this, um, that have yet to be like, I mean, there's going to be more research on this, I'm sure, um, in the coming years and decades. But so far, like the early work seems to be that, that, you know, there are literal like gray matter, like changes in, in a, a pregnant person's brain. And then when you give birth, like your the the experience of all those hormones coming out, you know, like t- in order to bond with this thing, you know, I mean, there's a lot that's going on, and it's so strange to me that we have, you know, spliced up all these different aspects of what it once meant to be a mother. You know, it, it was once that the person who gives, who has the egg, and who also like labors, and who also breastfeeds, and who also is the primary caretaker of the child, is the same person. You know, mm-hmm. and, and that was mother. And now, you know, we've just split that up into however many pieces and which is not, you know, like wrong in a moral sense, but we have to think about that the fact that it might not even be separable in that clean way that we think about in our own minds, you know? So to me, a surrogate is not a vessel. She is kind of a mother in a way, you know, she is, she, she, the, that aspect of labor and, actually nourishing the child with your own body. I mean, she will have the DNA of that child in her, right. in her body for maybe forever, but like there, there pe- people can still find the DNA of my, um, you know, of, of my children in my own blood and they'll right. be able to find that, you know, like, and so there's, there's something going on here. That's not, that's, it's not a clean vessel thing. You're not an oven that had something in it and you have no, no trace left of this thing. It's changed you. Um, into a different person. Um, so that that is partially what sort of creeps me out about surrogacy. Um, uh, maybe the way, just the way that we conceive of it. But then, yeah, I mean, the exploitation, it's not, it's not small. You know, it's a huge, like the yeah. second you put money in on the table for something like this, it's the same ethical concerns as organ donation. You know, like you, you start opening this door and it's going to lead to a really ugly place very, very fast. And you don't even, it doesn't even need to be the case that, um, you know, like the, we, we talk about like coercion, for example, like that coercion can come in a lot of different ways. You know, you could be, you could be, you know, an, an 18 year old born into, you know, a poor family and your, right. your family's pressuring you into doing this and taking this on and, and taking this kind of risk with your health in order to take care of everyone else. And maybe you do it and you don't know the full ramifications of what you're doing, but you're ready. You're, you're a 
you know, a birthing person, <laughs> fertile and ready to go. Um, it, it, it's just so naive to imagine that that won't be, and it, it's interesting that like, we see a lot of surrogacy in, um, parts of the world that are also like very, very bad with, when it comes to like human trafficking and, and sex work and all of that, like all the, all the other ways in which there's like questionable, like, like flesh for sale kind of a thing like that. that we're also seeing like surrogacy there too. Um, and I don't know, I, I think the whole industry is very questionable having said that you know i understand that there are people who can't have babies any other way but do you need to have do, do it is that like i mean there are Good babies question. out there there are babies who need parents who exist well i think that need to be yours i think that's i think it's it that i think is oftentimes something that people say but the reality of adoption is that adoption is it's very hard to get an infant there are, you know, you can foster, but that's a different problem. And I and I know somebody who fostered in, from infancy to three years, and and then ultimately her daughter was taken from her and given her back mm-hmm. to her birth family because that is the ultimate goal of fostering is reunification. Mm-hmm. And so there's something I don't remember the exact statistic, but there's something like seven families for every every infant uh, for adoption. So I, that's just I think that's just it's not that simple yes yeah and then you know you can you could get a teenager but who the fuck wants to be <laughs> that's why you want to give your kids away <laughs> this is why everybody just needs to get a dog and treat it like a human and i also like i don't have that biological impulse i've never wanted to be a parent so i don't understand this deep desire to have a children it's it's totally foreign to me um but i also think that there's and i think all of your points are, are totally correct and valid sarah but i also think that there is something about people's autonomy. And what bothers me is this, I think there can be this sort of ironically patriarchal, uh, maybe that's not the right word, but this, but feminists, especially when it comes to things like surrogacy and sex work, this or paternalistic view of other women, like women can't make their own decisions when it comes to this. And that bothers me as well. Because I think adults mm-hmm. can make their own decisions. And like if that's a if you have an opportunity to make a hundred thousand dollars or whatever it is for nine months of la- nine months of labor and then labor, and your other options are like working at the Wendy's, well, yeah. Yeah. I can absolutely yeah. see that one would be a, a more appealing option than the other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that line is just it's it, it's it's not an easy one to walk and it's not clean you know um and I, I i am more ambiguous about about that than i used to be i used to be a very hardcore like choice 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 everything is you know everything should be um and so i understand and empathize with that viewpoint a lot i've changed a little bit um and I don't know exactly where my new lines are internally um, of what I think sometimes where I think that maybe choices, it's it's not sufficient that you just say like, this should be my right as a human to do. Right. And so I'm going to do it. Like maybe right. there's, maybe there are times where we as society say, well, the, the, the harms, the potential harms are too high and we're going to make this decision, decision for you. Um, which sounds even, even as I say it, it sounds crazy in my own, in my own ears because I used to be such a, um, proponent of kind of this libertarian yeah. v- view. Um, and I'm still pretty sympathetic to it. So yeah, I, I think it's 
pretty complicated. Yeah, I totally agree with that. There, and I don't know why there's just there's something about like Hollywood stars just like outsourcing this that I find absolutely grotesque. And Rebel Wilson, like yeah. what? He's, she's also in a relationship with a woman, so you've got presumably two working um, working wombs there. And, uh, but you know, yeah. like, got to be on a boat in Saint Tropez or whatever. Rather, she's rather like a big good. woman too. I mean, she she's not worried about stretch marks. What's what's going on here? Like, oh, she's skinny now. Like, oh oh, is she? Oh, I wonder yeah. if that has. Oh, maybe to that's do what it was. She doesn't yeah. want to, you know, it yeah, might trigger. Like, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's weird. <sighs> yeah, I do think uh, I'm. I share your ambivalence, both of you. I do think that people romanticize adoption and yeah. are, are, you know, they, they just say, well, why don't you just adopt? Mm. You know, like Katie said, there's very few infants and having volunteered in the foster care system and yeah. knowing that world pretty well, it's just not the same experience. If you are yeah. going to adopt older kids, that is definitely an experience. It's a great thing to do some people do it well. Most people don't know what they're getting into. Some people do it opportunistically and um, quite, quite cruel, badly. Let's just put it that way. Um, but it's just not the same thing. It's right. not the kind right. of parenting experience you're going to get if you have. Yeah, your but like kids. you don't. I, I just feel like you don't have a right to an experience. You know what I mean? Sure. Exactly. Like, you, you no, know, like not totally. everybody. Like maybe you can't do it, and that's 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 it. That and that's yeah. more important than you know being able to purchase anything yeah. and everything. Yeah. I, d- I do think there's something about, and I've never experienced this, so I'm totally speculating, but when people talk about the desire to have children, like I know people who have tried for years and years and years and have gone through, you know, have really gone through the whole process and have, and have miscarried a bunch of times and it's just not working. And just the grief that they express mm-hmm. about not being able to have the children, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it seems to be, innate in a way that is much different than my like grief that I can't get a new boat you know like which Mm, is to be mm, clear mm, I do really want a boat but I so I do have some sympathy for that it just seemed like a hole for people Mm -hmm. Um, but you're right like life is not fair and everybody doesn't get to have the cute baby unless they can pay for it (laughs) yeah yeah I mean, Sarah, if you couldn't have kids, how far would you go? Because it's I, important. So I, I'm, you know, I think we talked, we touched on this a little bit. Um, decently far. I don't, I'm not, I don't think my life without kids would be devastating. I, w- I don't, you know, I, I wouldn't fear that life. Um, I just know that it would, it would be different than the ideal that I wanted. Um, but I would, you know re you know figure my like my 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 idea of where my future is and make plans accordingly try to make more friends so that i'm not alone when i'm dying <laughs> get a dog <laughs> yeah get a outside. dog many dogs yeah i think mm-hmm. i would just I, I don't i don't know if um my grief would be that terrible and i i also i you know i i wouldn't mind adopting or or even fostering i i it's not a, for me, it's not like it has to be my biological child. And if it isn't, that, that's okay with me. I, I think I could still, I could be one of those people. I think that would, that would be happy to have like even an older kid. I don't think it would kill me. I like, I like kids. I like I even like teenagers, you know, like I like them. Um, so I don't think I would mind. Yeah. yeah. It's complicated. It's complicated yeah. though. And the, and the foster system is like, so like, like fucked up in like a lot of different ways it's so terrible it's just 
it, it revolves around what is the least bad option. Yeah. 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 There are yeah. no good options. Mm-hmm. There is this, this, I'm Megan, you, you would probably know more about this than me, but I'm seeing a lot more conversations online, but this is particularly on, on Facebook, less on Twitter, Facebook, where I like actually know people who are foster parents, this real, um, I don't know if the word is guilt. Maybe it is guilt. I guess white guilt. This idea, like I know, I know several people who are fostering and have adopted black kids and they seem to have like this absolute conflict about that. Like, is it the right thing to do? Because Mm -hmm. how do you be culturally competent and raise these children when you are a different race than them? Was this something that you saw when you were working in the foster system? You know, it's that it, it goes sort of in and out of, I don't want to say mm-hmm. fashion, but that's the, that's determined by sort of the culture of social workers at mm-hmm. any given time. So like mm-hmm. there have been periods where, you know, sort of the ethos among um, sort of the people in the child protective services and social workers has been like, let's just get these kids in the best possible homes. And then it kind of goes the other way. And it's about, you know, keeping cultural competency and making, you know, keeping kids of color out of, at least out of white people's homes and, you know, ideally in the homes of people who share their background, but that's really hard to do. Right. Um, I actually did not see when I was volunteering, I mean, I was volunteering in California. So it was a lot of the kids were, were Hispanic, not all, you know, actually it really varied. Um, But I haven't, I think it's, pretty i think at this moment especially you're probably going to jump through a lot of hoops if you are a white couple or person who wants to adopt a kid of color i would imagine just given the climate right now and of course they're hypersensitive about it i mean anybody even if you don't have even if you're not raising kids that are not your race i mean we're all just walking around on eggshells thinking about race all the time because it's been drummed into our brains there would be something so kind of like ironic and also tragic if people if kids are having worse outcomes if they're not getting placed with families because of this racial angst oh that is happening i think yeah Yeah. 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 especially like it's you know it's a big controversy in um like the indian child welfare world Uh, oh yeah there's Um, a a court case ongoing right now yes and actually that there's a court case and i think it's in Texas. And it's actually, I think, a little not as cut and dry as it looks. And I'm not necessarily sure. It's a it's a white family that wants to adopt um, a native kid. And I'm not sure that they are quite as innocent and Mm. altruistic as it might appear. I don't know. Um, But yeah, it's so it's really difficult. I mean, I used to be very, um, very sort of glib about this. Like I used to because I used to joke and say, you know, I don't want a baby and I don't want a little kid. But like, you know, if I had it, if it was a teenager, then they would like be out of the house faster. <laughs> like when I was married, like my dream when I was married, because we had conflict over this. It was very sad. My husband kind of decided that he did want to have kids. Like my dream would be that the phone would ring one day and it would be some like 22 year old, who you know, that my husband like didn't know about. And just, like tracked down finally some like one night stand. That's like some um, people's nightmare, you know. Yeah. Well, but, like, and and he was totally into it too, because he he always was like i want a grown kid like he, he was jealous of our friends who had like grown kids or yeah. you know that like they could have conversations with and stuff um just in time to pay for college but right. um yeah i used to think that that was like an option that 
you know, we could do something like that. And when I started volunteering, I was just like, holy shit, like I am the last person who should ever do something like that. Like you could not come up with a worse sort of combination Why? of traits. Why? Because I have no patience. I, I just, I should never be doing it. And I think I would like in my mind, it was like, oh, well, this will be easier. Or I think this is really sort of, this is very dark, but I think a lot of people even unconsciously think like, oh, well, the, the kid's already going to have a bad enough life. Like, even if I'm not a very good parent, at least I'm giving them a better life than they would have. Mm. And so it can kind of like, it's like a little bit of a get out of jail free card of your own bad parenting, which is really a bad approach. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I thought about that. Like, like if I if I foster or adopt, I everyone would just think I was a kid's nanny, you know, like or like <laughs> babysitter or whatever. Like especially oh, if you get a white kid, yeah. Totally. Totally. They're not going to give you a white kid, Sarah. Come on, you, you they're going to be. I think they I would. Don't know. I think there are they, like well, you know, like middle America. There's there's white kids, and they would no only if the kid, they think that they think the kid needs to be educated. Yeah, <laughs> this infant. <laughs> The whole thing, it's like a big because uh, well, I would project. never be able to get like a kid of my own race because I just don't in America. There's just not tons of like South Asian families who are giving their kids up for adoption. They're not giving so their kids up, right? I would never, right? I would never find somebody of the same race. It would always have to be a you know like cross racial whatever situation. Maybe even yeah. a yeah, maybe even a white kid. And I know, I know, I have lots of friends who are you know South Asian and they. Um, married white guys and have kids who like look 100% like the father and people think that they're they're the you know the babysitter yeah yeah I'll bet yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's a microaggression yeah. yeah but sort of an understandable one because people generally look like you know expect Aren't people to look all? like yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, Thomas Chatterton Williams has talked about that totally right? yeah yeah his, his kids, kids are very white, white. Yeah. Yeah. They think they well, don't think well, he's the babysitter though. But you might you might think, they so, think he's so, a, an abductor. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, um all right. Anything more on this? I think we covered it. If like anybody wants to uh yeah. If anybody wants to offer me fifteen million dollars for to to rent out my womb, I'm I'm open. Oh man. That's what about just... the beta blockers though? You won't be able to take them. Or I think I, I could know. still take those. I would. Sure? I would. You would? Oh no. Beta uh, blocker. Yeah. It's just the, it's just a heart medication. It's fine. It's like taking an aspirin. There's no there's no no negative side effects there. Wow. Okay. I've learned a lot <laughs> from this. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Well, we're gonna keep you for some bonus content. But is there anything more we want to say in this version? I just want to say that I'm very proud of us for never once talking about the, the T word. <laughs> we didn't beep, do it. Beep. No. <laughs> nope. Nope. Yeah. Um. Megan and I do this well, like every episode. Like we'll just be like, "Wow." <laughs> we're gonna say we're like, "Oh, we don't want to talk about this because we talk about it too much." And then we yeah. don't actually talk about it. Maybe that's what we'll Although talk about we in the bonus. Sure. Ooh. sure. Yeah. So guys, um, you have to subscribe to to get yeah. that, that juicy G word, <laughs> T word content. Right. Yeah. Cool. But T word, the T word is also going to be Twitter because Katie had some things to say about it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have yeah. some complaints to register. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, Katie, 
thank you so much for being a guest. Oh, it's my pleasure. Always good to talk to you. This this is a huge, yeah. A this huge is a huge treat. get for us. It's <laughs> a huge, <laughs> huge privilege. Very high standards, I can tell. Yeah, I know, for sure. All right, well, um, stay tuned for the bonus if you are a paying subscriber. If you are not, go become one now and you can listen. Otherwise, uh, we'll see the rest of you in hell. Just remember, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help each other. (laughs) 